What shall we look at? This is Michael. Michael. Hi, Rebecca. Um, so I'm really glad to be here in group. feels like it's been a while. And um, I've been going through a lot of uh, transition and change in content. Um, we moved uh, locally after living in one place for about 10 years. Um, and um, we, have, we have had a cat who moved with us, and um, we thought transitioned fine. Um, and then after a week or so, she went missing. Um, and so that's been a big, um, challenge and a big, um, sadness, actually. Yeah. So, so it's a time of a lot of content, a lot of big stuff going on. We moved, um, after living in a place for years and, and then your cat, your dear cat has gone missing, even though since she had made the transition fine, but it's very, so it's very sad going through a lot of sadness. Yes, yes, yes. And it's interesting, too, because in the, during our moving search, our cat, Mona, she was like one of the primary things we were focused on to make sure mm-hmm. she was happy mm-hmm. and she would be in a good place. Um, so it's, uh, you know, never, you never know how these things are going to work out. Um, and then we moved, and that uh, uh, seemed to go okay. And then uh, the water service went out for <laughs> three days. There was a water main break directly in front of our place. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for practice and for, um, you know, a practice of attending to this moment. Okay. Wow. This moment we haven't seen a cat. Okay. This moment we're out of water. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and to be able to respond as a, best is, you know, as most appropriate as it seems in the moment. Yeah. Wow. So what a workshop, Michael, huh? And not in, in the, no, just seeing here in this moment and no control because, you know, you considered all the elements for Mona and then she goes missing and you move to this place and then the water main breaks right in front of your house. I mean, just, just, and so the practice and, and what you started off with of being really grateful to be on the call, to be grateful to have Sangha. Yeah. And so it sounds like really practicing with it, you know, being present to the sadness, being present to what's now. Okay, now this, now this. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, I haven't had a big, a, you know, loss of a human in my life, um, you know, like a parent or somebody close to me. or um, So it almost feels kind of like the first, um, I don't know, grief experience or something. And, um, you know, I've heard people talk about it in practice a lot. You know, it comes in waves and, um, you know, I can, I can see that now. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really, looking at and experiencing the waves of grief that come in. Yes, and the other thing I saw, and not until after she went missing, but I realized that I had thought of her as my cat. And mm-hmm. um, and then I realized she's life's cat. Mm-hmm. 
to another letting go, huh? So you you saw you had been seeing her as your cat, and now you're seeing her as she's life's cat. Yes, and um, you know, seeing her as my cat, but not realizing that I've been seeing her as my cat, you know, until right. yeah. things changed. And, um, you know, that <laughs> that process has broad application, uh, broad applicability, mm-hmm. um, seeing stuff as mine rather than, um, you know, belongs to life and uh, temporarily here and, um, you know, could be gone at any point. Yeah. Yeah, so once again, that process of just practicing with it, bringing, you know, what you've heard and practiced to, and, and the broad applications that this experience with Mona is, is affording you, the, the insight that all things that I've seen as, quote, mine, and, and that they really, everything belongs in that larger sense to life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and one other content is, we had it not just the water surface going out, but we had the the washer clothes washer in the house was not hooked up properly, and so when that first ran, then there was a flood in the house. Oh my gosh! So um, it was uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a it's been a lot of life experiences. A lot of life experiences, yeah. Not only a flood outside, but a flood inside. Yes, and uh, last thing I want to mention is a process I've noticed with um, conditioning, and um, it's a process of, let's say, 95% of the time, conditioning is whispering to me how great life is, how great Mm -hmm. your life is, and um, I don't hear it um, consciously, but that's the message that's being Mm -hmm. um, given to me, and I can see now that that is a setup. (laughs) Because, I mean, my life is great. It's, it is great. It's true. And I can see that um, there's a setup there because the remaining 5% of the time, conditioning is telling me how awful my life is. Mm-hmm. And that is not under the radar. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. shouting at me. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really good to see um, that process and to really, you know, whenever anything goes through my mind to say, um, is that so? Is that so? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to be, wow. just to be awake. I want to be awake. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So to really see that it's it's very it's very subtle that because uh, you, what you're seeing is that all, you know so much of the time conditioning is whispering. Oh my life, your life is so great. And it's hard to argue, right? Because it is great. <laughs> and, to, and to see how that can get that can be such a setup and is lulling can lull us into that uh, asleep. And, and so then with that 5%, that's terrible. And, and that's where it, it basically you're seeing, I think, the whole duality, the whole the dualistic yes. tone of that. Yes. And, and what you come to is, no, I don't want to just be asleep for 90% of the time while I'm hearing it's great only to be bludgeoned by the 5% <laughs> right. that, you know, where it's not great. Yeah. I want to be yeah. awake. So, so even when I'm hearing that, oh, this is so good, I feel so good, 
That's, no, is that so? No, is that so? And not even going with that voice that can feel so good and true and right and all of that because really seeing what a setup that is for unconsciousness. Yes, yes. Thanks, Rebecca. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. This is Scott. Yes, Scott. Well, I want to be awake, too. And in that last conversation, I just I found myself taking deep breaths and just feeling that gratitude that we have an awareness practice, that we're professional practitioners, and we can bring we get to bring everything into into that space, um, everything, and yeah. <laughs> like a relief and a joy in that. Yeah. So using the opportunity of that last conversation, you could feel yourself taking deep breaths and going to this gratitude that we are professional awareness practitioners and we have a place, we have this place to come and we can bring everything. And because you want to be awake too. That's yeah. And so you're stepping up and taking full advantage of it. Yeah. And it's something that seems to go on a lot outside of the privileged environment is verbal communication between people and I happen to be in a job where there's a lot of that and I I just wanted to look at what I'm seeing um, I'm also rereading the communication book which <laughs> I'm falling in love again so brilliant um, and so I just wanted to look at what I'm seeing in part because it's fun to look at what I'm seeing And also I noticed it seemed like in what I was seeing was sort of getting taken into a conversation about what I'm seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I noticed that because the energy was dissipating and things got smaller and not as bright. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really looking at that a lot and want to bring in what what you're seeing into this kind of conversation. So... What I've, what's, for some reason, what's been really striking me is when I'm talking to other people or listening to other people talk to one another, uh, it keeps striking me that what one person is saying to another doesn't really make sense. Like, it's their response to me or the, or the other person doesn't really fit what I said or didn't say. So, for example... I was talking to a friend yesterday and just the quick content was we were talking about COVID and she was giving an example of a mutual acquaintance or somebody we both know and how they had done everything right, but then went to a gathering and then got COVID. And my experience was just sympathy. You know, it's been challenging. We do everything right. We, for a second, don't pay attention, do something, and, and there's a consequence to that. And her comment to me was, uh, after she told me that story, she, there was a pause, and then there was a, and I don't, I don't want you to think I'm judging her for that. And it was just such a contrast because I, I, my experience was not judging. It was sympathy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I keep having those experiences where it's like, what we're doing, right? What's happening? Like we're in a conversation with the voices in our head primarily is what it seems like. So let me see if I'm with you, Scott. So it seems like what you're looking at is how uh, you're, you're seeing evidence that when, the, when we're talking to another person, 
we're not really talking or listening to that person or listening to a voice in the, in the head because the, the friend that you were talking to responded in such a way to you, I'll help you, it's not like I'm judging her, in a way that was so not your experience because you weren't at, in judgment at all. You were in sympathy. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think we're aware that's what's going on, but, like, it's just been so stark. It's almost like I can see, like, as if there's another person next to them and they're really barely yeah. talking to that other person. And sometimes it'll be like they're um, looking at me, but they didn't hear what I said. And then it's obvious, well, how could they hear what I said? Because you really can't be listening to two people at once. And they're listening to, quote, that other person next to them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. So you can see, and this is all such an interesting uh, workshop, isn't it? Because you're watching that person seeing that it looks like they're not even listening to you and we can, we can project or whatever guess that they're, they're, they're listening to condition mind. And you can see, oh, because you can only really be listening to one person at a time. And if we're in condition mind, then we're not even listening to the person that we're actually, quote, standing in front of or whatever. Yeah. So, of course, then I was like, well, how's that going on for me? Because <laughs> I know, mm-hmm. I know that's going on for me. And the best place I've been able to catch it is when I'm um, listening to people. Um, And so, like, one example is uh, I have a job where people tend to come to me when they're upset about something. And I'll Mm -hmm. notice, like, uh, um, a tendency. So if somebody comes in and they're mad and they want to criticize or be upset towards someone else, I tend to want to... uh, uh, speak up for the person who's being criticized. I'll get like a tension will happen in my body. And so my response to them is often uh, to get them to look at the other person, which may be helpful. What's the other person thinking? What's going on for them? But it's really, is there something being said to me about that's not okay and you need to defend that person they're criticizing? Oh, uh-huh. So what you're so let's so you're looking at it in your own life, and what you're seeing is what happens is someone will come to you with a with being upset about something somebody else, and what you hear is not. It, it, you're hearing what they're saying, but what you're maybe uh, reacting to or attending to is the voice that says, "Well, that's not okay. You need to look at that from that person's perspective." And so you'll often. In, maybe it sounds like in response to that, encourage that other the person in front of you to look at that other person's perspective or bring in what they might be, you know, seeing or yeah. hearing or thinking. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of leads to me to, like, it's just so obvious why it's so challenging, like human, condition human relationships are so challenging because we're not really in relationship. To one another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, is, that's a good point. And we can see why relationships are so challenging because there's that, uh, that third, we're not even in relationship with, with that person. Our, no. There's always that third party in there, which is ego. And yeah. as, as Sherry's pointed out, is like, is, is more times than not, our, our really our most intimate relationship. Our yeah, and I, exactly. Exactly. That is, that is our priority. It's our top priority. And it's, well, for me, it is the most intimate relationship. I mean, it's the one going on right next to us that, I mean, yeah. So I guess what's been interesting is to watch it play out in real time, both in my projections onto other people and into what's 
what's going on for me. And it, it just brings me back to the only, I mean, just really reinforces about just facilitating when you're talking with other people. So to do reflective listening, to do clarifying questions, because there's nothing to do with that other person. I'm not going to point that process out to them. Um, the best chance for me and for everyone is just to stay here. And it seems like being in facilitation mode is the best chance to stay here. And then just to notice, like I have been, um, and it also just gives me great sympathy for everybody and all the conflicts in the world, because it's just so obvious that the source of that is we're not in relationship to each other. We're re in relationship to something that, um, well, yeah, focused on something wrong, not enough criticism and judgment, and then projecting it onto the other forms. Yeah, wow. Well, it, it's actually what you started out with is say, well, you know, I want to be awake too. I want to be up too. And so really coming back to what we do as professional awareness practitioners is we facilitate, we practice being here. That is our, that is our tool for staying yeah. here and, and really ending that, that other relationship so you can be with whatever is actually here. So reflective listening and drawing out questions, clarifying those things that really help us stay here. Yeah. And then, of course, you're that's the best place to be informed by life if there is anything else to, quote, be done. Um, yeah. You know, that's essentially a way to practice keeping the attention on presence and to be informed so that maybe my mouth is used, is, is, you know, life speaking through me as opposed to what's probably happening a lot is, is ego speaking through, through me. Uh, oh, good point. Yeah, because in, in that presence, if, you know, that is the only place life has access to us. And so yeah. if, if life's going to speak through you, know, then that's, that's what it's gonna. That's what it's gonna require, as opposed to making ourselves available for ego speaking through us. Yeah, and the last thing, Rebecca, I was just saying, it's helpful to say this all out loud and to be mirrored and reflected, because I think essentially it's just a process of acceptance. Like um, uh, there's such a karma to want to help or do something different or point things out to people, and I'm just hearing myself basically talk about letting go of that and just getting here, which just seems to be a, a theme in practice. And uh, it can be, you know, when you're karmically tied into doing other stuff, it does seem like there's a, a almost like a grief process or a letting go and then an acceptance of, right, just drop it and be here. And in this case, the tool is uh, the in facilitation, the attitude of mind, the facilitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really uh, letting go of a, of a karmic process and choosing a different process and, and using the same tool you were pointing at a minute ago, reflective listening and yeah, being, being there and reflecting, you just be on either, you know, being on either end of that is, is yeah. what we're practicing. And both can be so incredibly helpful to, yeah. to really living in the relationship with life that, that we choose. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. This is Phil. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> big pause, so I just jumped in and let's see what we're going to say here. Um, mm -hmm. 
One thing is what I, I was uh, excited about noticing is it was related to the last week's, you know, assignment mm-hmm. and for the, you know, year long. And I... Um, Your job application? That one? Yeah, my job. My, yeah, the job. Yeah, that resume, one. The resume. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, I, I looked, read the assignment and I heard... The first thing that came up was, oh, this is going to be too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It's going to be but too we, long. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot to do, you know, a lot mm-hmm. to write and stuff. So, but, but that, that was hardly, it was just kind of scooted in. And I just um, noticed that right under that, were all these bubbles of excitement to do the assignment. So underneath, and, so it just kind of, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Well, so what I, what I saw was that about that is that, um, I mean, it was amazing because that's what, happens every time underneath I mean you know for all, all what really goes on is underneath where life is there's all this this either excitement enthusiasm joy and it just gets uh, so covered up with you know for not doing awareness practice thank God we are um, we could get really caught in that conversation that's so much louder than that because there was no conversation with the the you know the 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 sensation of the of the egg bubbles you know inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mm-hmm. and it was just uh really um in a sense thrilling to me to notice those two things right together in that particular um just the way it happened. Yeah, it is a thrilling process, isn't it? So let me see if I'm tracking what you're what you're describing is. So there, you read the assignment. You notice that what ego slides in is this is too long. But what was under that, and awareness, of course, you know, awareness is registering all of this in this moment. That what was underneath that was the enthusiasm and excitement. And what you're, what you're seeing is that that is a process that happens a lot because, because life doesn't yell and scream and talk loud. You know, it just, it, it's just there bubbling. And, and ego comes over and overlays that message. In this case, this is going to take too long on top of that. Yeah, with a kind of a, oh, my God, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's famous, oh, my God, this but that, but it is. It was just a slide in, and um, yeah. And so, you know, it's to me, it, that's really good thing to notice. I mean, in the sense that um, sometimes it can go on longer, you know. And, and I see it in other people a lot too. You know, oh my God, I have to, uh, whatever, brush my teeth, or oh my, you know, it's kind of this. Oh, life is heavy. And um, and and the, and it's that's just such a 
a phony cover-up of what's really going on when when we can notice you know the 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 joy or whatever it is in each moment yeah yeah that is such a phony cover-up because what's what's actually going on is the joy of the moment and then it gets made so heavy by the story yeah, and, and there's something like that happened this morning too. When um, I got word that one of the sisters um, is is dying and um, actively dying, and um, I can't go see her, and of course, and um, she's in a care facility, and that uh, was that same kind of the first thing, you know. And it wasn't the first thing. It was just the thing that was riding over the top was, um, oh, this is really too bad, you know. And there was a disappointment, of course. But to be able to um, then just notice that and then just go with what was really going on in, you know, from life. And it's, for me, it just seems like the body really has all the clues. Mm. Mm. So the bot, so you saw that that whole process, and then you said the body really has all the clues. Yes, because the you know, like in that first thing I was telling you about, I could feel the bubbles of that were you know of excitement that was going on. There was no just it was just kind of sensation, and. Um, and the same thing with this. Then what was what arose, of course, was uh, Thanksgiving for her life, and you know, and a, a lot of uh, and just knowing the disappointment and that I couldn't get over there and that that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you could feel it. You could feel the sensations that felt like the bubbling, and then you could feel. In the news about the sister, the gratitude for her life, the appreciation for her life, and the disappointment. And it was all being communicated or experienced in the body. Yeah, and and another thing I was have been looking at and practicing exploring is that um, to, how, did, how would I even say this? Let's see. Um, well, when there's a lot of things going on, and sometimes particularly at night when my mind is kind of just going on its own course, um, <laughs> you know, like a galloping horse, and it's not me, it's just doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm practicing it and exploring, just uh, focusing, just like, like you know, like when you, you what do you call it? Uh, uh, um Binoculars, you know, so just, uh yeah, yeah, so focusing my eyes like I would say in a way like a binocular and just honing in on looking directly at life. I mean, of course, we can't do that, but basically at awareness, I guess, Uh and Uh how that and just how that cuts through. That's through everything, and it's right there, you know. Without you, the oneness feel feel the oneness in the body, and just just um, it's such a different experience than even being aware of the stuff going on, you know, the galloping horse or 
in my head. Of, yeah, of, yeah. That's one awareness, but to take take the binoculars and focus them in on that on that one piece uh, oh, are yeah. just somehow focusing on awareness itself. Maybe that's it. Um, yeah. It, well, that's what it sounds like you're describing is a very um, <laughs> impressive shift of attention because, uh, you know, when the mind is just going on and on and on and like a galloping horse, especially at night when that can happen, and the mind mm-hmm. is just running on, on its own, what you're doing is you're taking the attention, moving it away from that galloping horse, and focusing it with clear binocular-type focus on awareness. And that, yeah, and is a, that is a tremendous shift. It is, and it, it actually, um, it doesn't take any effort. It's kind of a relaxing into it, and at the same mm-hmm. time, there seems to be needy, for me anyhow, need of, uh, and I don't even, you know, can't even probably come up with a word, but, um, well, the you know when you focus a monocular you have to focus it <laughs> yeah exactly oh that's a very good yeah it's a very good analogy isn't it so it, it's not like it's a big effort but it does require a focus the focusing and so it, and and on you know in actuality it feels like a relaxing limb but that doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that there is a focusing that ha- that happens. Yeah, maybe that's that compassionate effort, you know, like we have, you know, kind of thing. So anyhow, thank you, and and, and that helped clarify things too. So, uh, and I'm just very grateful to be uh, able to be still alive and on be able to be on the call and doing practice. (laughs) Oh, I know what you mean, Phil. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Margaret? Hey, Margaret. Hey, Rebecca um, and Sangha. Um, I've just been having, um, I think I saw, well, during the call, what dropped in about it is that it's like I'm seeing more instances in the world of others looking through the the eyes of love i was trying to think what 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 is it that i'm seeing and it just dropped in that when we started that program of you know the everyone was so sad and disappointed at what had happened and and we that got started and it's just it feels like it's all about turning the attention and reframing um, how I'm seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me let me see if I'm with you. And, and uh, so you know you're referring to some years ago when we did the looking through the eyes of love. That's the radio show and focus. And what you're mm-hmm. seeing is that 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 framing of everything. You're seeing you're now you're seeing you seem to be seeing more and more instances of that everywhere projecting it onto other people, that, that that's happening more, the, the viewing the world or viewing the instances through the eyes of love. Yeah, that's, that is really it. And I guess 
one of the ways I'm noticing it is it's so strikingly um, well from the earlier conversation about you know listening to other people speak with other people and all that I I realize there's be there have been these instances where I've like just been struck in my heart that wow this person is really amazing and mm. looking through the eyes of love like um I think one of the most remarkable ones was Ruth Bader Ginsburg you know mm. um really her whole life and relationships sort of speak to that but to certain mm. instances in the in the opportunities that she had that instead mm. of making other people wrong it's like she was pointing out experiences of the heart to them that they just hadn't uh, well it became apparent from what happened <laughs> that, that they saw that reframing they saw it differently when she spoke mm. about it because she was looking through the eyes of love and it was just it just really was so amazing. And then this past week, um, our new president spoke, which I thought was remarkable. I laughed a lot at some of the things <laughs> that he said. But also, um, there's a new senator from Georgia that um, is very much in the, in the news because of all the things happening. And when he's interviewed... It's almost like I can see him stop, drop, and breathe, and then respond, sort of reframe the questions that reporters are asking him to how he's looking at life and what um, what could mm-hmm. happen or what he's, he's just not, it's like he's not um, allowing, and he's not, he's not doing it in a way that's that's so much making them making them wrong um it doesn't feel like he's making them wrong it feels like he's stopping and looking somewhere else um mm-hmm. looking to the heart looking to his heart really yeah let me see if i'm tracking on the process sure, you're yeah. describing because so when you when you look at People and in this case, you're looking at the new senator from Georgia, looking at Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the president, and really seeing that what it seems, what it looks like to you is happening is that people are those you know, people are examples, but but stopping, looking to the heart, and responding in such a way that it doesn't make anybody wrong, but is is um, is speaking from and looking through the eyes of love and responding in that way. And that's what you really are noticing a lot, it sounds like. Yeah. And just appreciating it. It's like my heart is just resonating. <laughs> um, I don't know how. It's just it's like just so... Um, well, it's like being with Sangha. I mean, it's like, you know... Um, it's so 
it's so kind and compassionate and life, well, you know, life-affirming. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's important, too, to, to realize that those projections, right, that, it's, that that's a process that you're seeing, right, that we don't know what anybody else is doing or coming from or what they're seeing, but we can see that that is, a, is something that, that, we, that we are projecting and seeing. Yes, that's right. That that's of course. <laughs> I do see yeah. that, and um, yeah, and I I can actually recall having experiences of feeling like um, I'm watching someone go back and forth between <laughs> speaking from the heart and not speaking from within the heart. yourself. Is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. You can watch that well, within yourself. I certainly can, and I <laughs> watch mm-hmm. watch that happen within myself. And I guess that's what what's um, it's it's been really moving to um, be reminded of that it's possible to just come from love and to you know just do nothing more than just reflect what a person is well, saying I- that. And, yeah, exactly, Margaret. And that's the power of that tool of projection, right? Is yeah. we can see, we can see that what, what what's possible is to within ourselves recognize, oh, I can come from a place of love. I don't have to come from a place of something wrong. That's possible here all the time. And what and as, as you and others have mentioned, the the reflective listening is a very powerful tool in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I've, um, <laughs> I'm looking, looking forward to more paying attention and, and um, not taking anything personally and yeah. I guess not believing anything. Believe nothing. Yeah. Believing nothing, week. not taking anything personally and owning projection, owning our projection. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, and looking through the eyes of love, I yeah. I love that. What can I say? I love that. <laughs> love it. It's yeah. a lovely way to live, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, yeah. it's so. Yes, it's the heart. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rebecca. Yes. Thank you, Margaret. Rebecca, this is Ashwini. Yeah, Ashwini. So I'm just struck by a um, a very sneaky conditioned process, <laughs> and mm-hmm. one of the uh, one of negation actually, right? I mean, we we keep looking at how we are, everything, how everything is is us, right? Awareness uh, awareness is what we are, and how uh, some how the various places in which that gets negated that gets revealed from the grossest level of self-hate to just an orientation. Mm-hmm. So how negation and gets... How, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, how it gets revealed um, from the grossest level and to um, a very subtle level, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And in a couple of occasions, I've been looking at how that shows up. So, for example, one being when that intuition of life shows up really, really strongly in opposition to something, right, in opposition to a conditioned orientation, 
and how we tend to override it and not go with that queasiness, that whatever we call the still small voice or that sensation that says something is not, something is off here. And Mm -hmm. overriding that sensation is really a negation of life. Whatever the reason is, whatever the rationalization is, whatever, however we go with the conditioned process, not stopping to look at, wait a second, the intelligence that animates, that's animating me, in my context, is giving me warning signals. Mm -hmm. And I know better. I know better. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, and the, some of the, I mean, I just had an experience where I had to make a decision that, uh, that was of, of great moment. And watching how the intuition around that was really uh, loud for, for life, little voice. And that, that, I, it, that if I had to act on it, I would have to confront a conditioned pattern that made me uncomfortable that made me not want someone to feel bad or, you know, that just because someone has been of assistance to you, has been on your side, has been generous with their time and, and all of that, and therefore their recommendation must be the one that followed against life saying, wait a minute, trust me. Why are you trusting that? And, and not, yeah. I mean, and the consequences of not listening to that intelligence in small and large ways is enormous. And the gratitude that the training is there to go, wait a minute, I need to follow that intuition however uncomfortable it is at the process yeah. level, not at the content level. Because the content, it, you know, it takes a looking and a looking and a looking to translate the intuition, the warning sign into what needs to be looked at or what action has to be taken. But the first place of, of, of embracing what we are is to trust that, right? Trust that mm-hmm. authenticity. Yeah, yeah. So to, to, and, and really seeing that there are those intuitions, those, those, those sensations, or, you know, those, well, intuitions, things dropping in, and to override them because because following them would require you to go against, up against some kind of a karmic conditioning. It would feel awful and uncomfortable. And yet the, the price that we pay in big ways and in small ways for overriding that on a process level are just huge. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are I mean, I, I've just been watching how that intuition shows up, right? Trust the intelligence. Trust the intelligence. If nothing else, uh, other than a training to accept what we are as opposed to what we're not, right? Yeah, what Sherry often uh, gives us an example about is the car of hers, right? And it, it would drop and check the oil, check the oil, check the oil. And many times when you check the oil, there isn't anything wrong with the car. But the training mm-hmm. is if I feel that intuition, I'm going to act on it. Mm-hmm. not whether yeah. or not the outcome gives me evidence of whether the intuition was correct or not. Yeah, yeah. Because part so, of it is, is disconnecting the outcome orientation, right? The evidence, the way we're conditioned is, 
conditioning says X in order to get Y. Most often it doesn't happen, but somehow we, we just assume that X equals Y. But that notion of I need to trust life not because of X, Y, Z, but I just need to trust life, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that place of I don't need to trust life because of X, Y, Z, because, oh, so that, that happens, so it must, must be life. But no, just to trust life, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then watching how the negation shows up, because there's this other, you know, I have the privilege of working with someone who, who has uh, life level, life, um, what do you call it, life size uh, ideas, right? And there's a way in which to, to watch how the negation, or negation happens in keeping us small, uh, okay, that, that may not work out, so let's not do it. Or what, is, what about that is not going to work out, so let's not try it, right? The, the notion that, I, that we deny what we are shows up in, that, in the resistance to possibility, partly because it, it, consider, it is small and therefore it's projecting smallness, not the allness that we all are. Yeah. yeah. So you can see that negating process happens and keeping us, you know, projecting a smallness because it's, there are these life-size visions and not going with them because, well, it may not work out or, well, it may, and really seeing how that smallness is, is, can, can come in and try to take over. Yes, because life operates on dimensions we don't know about, right? It's always yeah. possibility. It's always seeding. It's always creative. It's always itself. It's not outcome-driven. You don't do something mm-hmm. because you're going to get something. And that's what I was talking about, right, that, 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 such a, that the only reason to do anything is because, is because whatever the conditioned reason is and the probability that I would do something if it's not going to go in a particular way, is not do it. And what a what a unbelievable negation of life intelligence that is. Because, mm-hmm. well, this is the node through which that action is being prompted. Mm-hmm. And only conditioning would stop that from becoming a possibility. Because it thinks, I mean, we are we're we're, we're the small ego, not the largest uh, vehicle through which life might be expressing its biggest possibilities. Yeah, yeah. So life is liking and and unfolding in whatever way and no really because, no if X then Y and, and how ego will will well will will not act along those lines. We'll try to shut that down or not go with that. Yeah. It's such a level of denial of yeah. of uh, that ev- everything in life is life. It's only in that dualistic world as, okay, well, this is large and this is small, this is possible, this is not, this is going to go somewhere, this is not going to go somewhere, this is helpful, it's not helpful. You know, all of those divisions that keep us from fully embracing that non-separate reality where everything is connected to everything and everything makes everything else possible. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where everything is connected to everything and everything makes everything else possible. Yeah. All those dimensions and to that. life is operating on. And what? Yeah. And to live that. And, what was, and to live that. Yes, to yeah. live that. Yeah. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Ashwin.
Jan. This is Sequoia. And then Sequoia. I'm sorry, did you say Jan? Yes, Jan. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Wow, that um I just got to see for what was the, what was just shared a process a continuation of a process that um well, it just it helped with clarity. So what I've been noticing that I think is somewhat similar is wanting to say yes, wanting to live from the place of yes. And at times, in particular, a particular thing recently, where the yes was enthusiastically offered, this is with in working with others, and then that that inkling of there's something not right here. There's something, you know, something's off. And realizing at whatever point that that the offer that was made, the yes, had to be withdrawn, at least in the way it was offered. And let me see if I'm with you, Jan. So yeah. yeah, so let me catch up. So the so what you're seeing is that there there was a yes and then this inkling that there was something off. And so the yes had to be withdrawn. In the way that it was offered, right. And so options are, are um, offered, but there's, there's tr- significant disappointment from mm-hmm. those, the others involved. And, and I'm, I'm trying to stay with the process here. That's, <laughs> um, and, but I guess what I... The challenge that I'm seeing for myself is wanting to live from that place of yes, which is a wonderful place to be. And yet when that feeling, when the messages, when life comes in, you know, am I interpreting that as there, I mean, I'm learning to interpret when it's life or when it's that negation that I think, well, that was just mentioned of, for whatever reason, you have to shut down. You know, this has to be shut mm-hmm. down. And so I'm, I'm just it. starting to go ahead. Well, you're you're really looking at what is life and what is that negation that is the shutting down process. Yeah, that's that's where I'm. Was so helpful hearing the last share because I'm seeing that. Uh, I'm seeing that that's where the it's it's like walking being on the edge is that life or is that the negation because it's a having to turn something down or change it that's going to cause disappointment in this case so that's I'm just finding that to be an interesting place to practice what is that <laughs> and, and when yeah, you say what? what is that, so the process that you're describing is a, it sounds like a thinking process of asking, or I mean, I don't know, that, that's not what you said, but the process sounds like you're going to a, wait a minute, is that not, or is that conditioning? Yeah, I'm not making that real clear. What happens is there's that inkling, and in that, mm-hmm. to me, that's, that, there's something I need to pay attention to here. So I pay uh-huh. more attention. And uh-huh. then 
if it is taken over by conditioning, there is the thinking of, well, it could be this, mm-hmm. it could be that, uh, the evaluation. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you get an inkling, and then there's an evaluation and a kind of a noodling that comes in, and yeah, like that. Yeah, you know what? I think I just answered the struggle I was describing. <laughs> in uh-huh. that, when that, when that, that feeling comes in, there's a message. There's something that needs to be paid attention to. That's what I pay attention to. When it's mm-hmm. taken over, when that, if it's ever taken over, and it goes into thinking, that's when I need to drop back. I need to drop back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not confusing. I just, I guess, I guess I just got to see that. It's not confusing. Yeah. It's just where the looking is happening. Yeah, yeah. But when it, it's, it's not actually confusing. You can see that when it comes in, that's what to pay attention to. And then the thinking process can kick in and try to take over. And seeing that is really, really good to see. Yes. Sorry. Can you hear me? My ear pods just mm-hmm. went out. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was a distraction for me. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm just appreciating what I appreciated so much in the last year is just the disappointment that can be there mm-hmm. when, I don't know how else to say this. There, there's a sense of disappointment when I have followed life, that I know it's, quote, the right thing to do, that, that I'm following what seems to be the life's message, yeah. that this is or isn't what needs to be done. I followed that, but there's significant disappointment. And that's mm-hmm. when the takeover is so easy and it just, it's, uh, it's helping me see that that's where that that's the challenging place to stay clear of how that decision was made and to stay open mm-hmm. to any other information coming in. Yeah, yeah. that disappointment can be a, a place to really pay really close attention and to see how what information is coming in and how and from where. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all. I just, um, I that negation, what I'm seeing is if there's any confusion, where there's been confusion for me, and I think I'm getting clarity, thank you for reflecting, is when there's neg- negation, the negation getting confused with when I need to say no to a particular something, approach whatever it is, that that's where conditioning has taken advantage. And just talking this through helps me get clear on where where I need to look in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where you need to look in those situations when conditioning is taking over. And, uh, yeah. Helpful to get it reflected. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you, Jean. Sequoia. Oh, good morning. I um uh, yeah, there's just a lot of energy being I noticed a lot of energy being generated. 
the conversations this morning, and I so appreciate what I was able to see in the talk, the uh, conversation about intuition and and following mm-hmm. that without, um, let's see, without looking to see the outcome, but it's mm-hmm. the process of following the intuition, following life. It is not having a particular outcome from following that. And I, I just, it helped me to see such a strong belief uh, that I've been carrying around that if, if you follow your intuition, things just work out in a certain way, which is you're uh-huh. going to recognize as good. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's uncovering a, a really deep belief that when, when you follow your intuition, things are going to work out in a certain way that you're going to recognize as good. Yeah, <laughs> which is so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. how, how could I, you know, how could the I just even know what what that action, the repercussions of that, um, you know, <laughs> just the hubris behind thinking that I was going to, I'd be able to recognize, oh, yeah, that was a good outcome, that was a bad outcome, that was a, you know, and, and the, it's so irrelevant. It's, it's just well, that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, well, what you're recognizing, it sounds like it's the hubris of ego eyes who thinks uh-huh. it can know, okay, this and then this and that and then this and, and how that, that is, has nothing to do with life or us or anything. It's just ego coming in and laying a whole bunch of, you know, predictions or expectations or standards or whatever on life. Yeah. Keeping, keeping, keeping us, keeping one small, you know, yes. with, yeah. all of its predictions. And I, I just want to quickly, I know we're at the end. I had two experiences this week where I have had been carrying beliefs for a long time, <laughs> unexamined beliefs, and that I suddenly saw that they were beliefs and that I was actually doing something that I had been carrying a belief forever that I could not do. Oh. And <laughs> you know, and and it's happened twice in the last week, and it's like it's uh, it's talk about being kept small, and then suddenly waking up to oh my gosh, that was a belief, and there's you know, it, really anything's possible. Yeah, and and it sounds like not only is anything possible, you are actually doing the very thing that the belief said you couldn't do. Yes, while it was saying you couldn't do it. I mean, you got to, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, could, I, saw, I saw that it, it was a, a belief but a lie, right? Exactly. And I saw yeah. that it was a belief and a lie when I was doing it. It was like, what? Uh-huh. Wow, yeah. that's pretty amazing. That, so. is a, that is amazing. And such a, such a testament to the power of seeing through those beliefs because then you could see what was, what was the only thing that was ever keeping us small is what it is the belief itself or listening to the belief itself exactly exactly Mm -hmm. nothing 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 but that belief happening in the head Mm -hmm. from a voice and i know that's our time so thank you very much Mm -hmm. thank you sequoia 
and thank you all.